Hi there, it's episode 104. Today I'm speaking with Aaron Odom from The Humbled Homemaker, and we're talking about how to make food simple in your family. You are listening to The Simple Families Podcast, a Q&A style show that brings you solutions for living well with family. Here's your host, Danae Barahona. Hi there, it's Danae. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm excited about this interview I have today with Erin Odom from The Humbled Homemaker. Erin and I are talking about all things simplifying food, including meal planning, grocery shopping, the works. Well, I know these things probably aren't all that exciting to many of us. The tips and tricks that Erin has to share today are really going to simplify things in your home. Speaking of things that aren't all that exciting, I'm going to share a word from the sponsor today. And full disclosure, when this sponsor first came to me, I was thinking, oh, this is kind of a drag. It's kind of boring. Until I learned a little bit more about the company, and it turns out that I love it. The sponsor for today's episode is Simple Contacts. So you might be thinking what I was thinking, which was, oh great, a mail order contact lens company. But here's why Simple Contacts is different. So I've had the same contact lens prescription for probably about 15 years. I've been wearing contact lenses for 20 years. And every year I have to pay to have an appointment to have my prescription renewed. And those appointments can get really expensive. Not to mention it's one more thing out of my day that I have to stop and go do. So Simple Contacts is actually an app that does a vision test right in the app. The results are reviewed by doctors and your prescription is renewed and sent on its way. You never even have to leave your house. Not only does it save time, but it saves money. I think it took me about five minutes to do it and the exam is only $20, which you might pay up of $200 if you have to go to a visit. Now, of course, this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. It's a super easy way to renew your contact lens prescription. So if you go to simplecontacts.com forward slash simple and use the promo code simple, you can save even more money and get $30 off your first order. Again, that's simplecontacts.com forward slash simple. Use promo code simple. Just give it a try. The app itself is really cool. And I never thought I'd say that about a mail order contact lens company. Back to today's episode. I'm excited to have Erin Odom from The Humbled Homemaker here to talk all things simplifying food. Not only is Erin a pro at living simply with family, but she's also an expert at doing it on a budget. In Erin's first book, More Than Just Making It, she shares her personal story about digging out of debt and living the life that she dreamed of with her family. Just this month, she released her second book called You Can Stay Home With Your Kids, and it has 100 tips on how to thrive and make it possible to stay home on a budget. In the episode, Erin gives a few great links and resources, and you can find those in the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 104. I hope you enjoy our chat as much as I did. Hi, Erin. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Hi, Danae. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you more about simplifying meal planning and cooking. And first, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and about The Humbled Homemaker and this new book that you have coming out. My name is Erin Odom, and I've been married to my husband, Will, for almost 13 years. We have four children. They are almost 10, seven and a half, five and a half and one. And we live outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. I blog at thehumbledhomemaker.com. I've been blogging there since 2011, which is over seven years now, which 
feels crazy. And when I started the blog, um, I was really in a season of overwhelm and looking to simplify, Danae. I, I had no idea how to really manage a home, even though I had already been married for uh, quite a while. At that point, I had been married since 2005, but I was really seeking to learn how to better myself as a homemaker. And I felt like I had been really humbled in the area of homemaking and motherhood. And so that's why I started the blog to really document how I was learning to manage my home and the hopes of being able to inspire, encourage, and help other moms do the same. And um, last year, the end of 2017, I published my first book, More Than Just Making It, Hope for the Heart of the Financially Frustrated. And in that book, I um, it's more of a narrative memoir, but with practical tips in it on how our family went from barely surviving on a low income during and after the recession to more than just making it. And then my second book is coming out, um, I think this month, um, as you're airing this April, it's called You Can Stay Home With Your Kids, 100 Tips, Tricks, and Ways to Make It Work on a Budget. And I give a lot of those tips I've learned along the years of how to really curb the overwhelm and in the area of finances, but also just in the area of homemaking in general to help you really feel like you're thriving as a stay-at-home mom. Right. And I think that a lot of the tips that you offer are for more than just the stay-at-home mom. I think that so much of this book, as I've read through it, is it really applies to families in general. And I thank you for writing it because I do think that there's so much to be said that can really benefit us all. Well, I'm hoping people will really be encouraged. And one thing I say early on in the book is that no matter if you're a stay-at-home mom, a working mom, a work-at-home mom, which I now consider myself a work-at-home mom, um, there is grace for you and there is room to really um, improve and feel like you're going from overwhelmed to really more than just making it and learning how to manage your family with more ease. Right. And I think that the topic that we're, t- we're covering today about meal planning and simplifying food is something we all need so much. And I read an article recently about how the quality of nutrition and the food that we're feeding our families correlates directly to our stress levels. So when we're going through more stressful times, that the food we're feeding our families tend to be of lower quality. Would you say that that is something that's true in your family and sort of have you seen that rhythm of meal planning and eating in your family? Absolutely. <laughs> and I will tell you, I'm, I'm very transparent on my blog and in my books. And when I was writing my books, I wrote both of them and um, actually was pregnant and then had a newborn. My fourth child came along as a wonderful surprise during that whole process. So that was all during a year span. It was a very stressful time. And we ate out a lot more than we typically do. And I can definitely see a correlation between like the difference between the quality of food you get when you eat out and when you're eating at home, because you can't control all of the ingredients that are going into what you're eating when you eat out. And so you're more likely to gain weight. You're more likely to have health issues creep up when you're eating out a whole lot. Also though, if you don't plan ahead, you're more likely to say, okay, I'm just going to go and grab those chicken tenders, you know, or like the pizza that is going to be cheaper than eating out. And I still, I feel better, uh, a better steward of your time and money than eating out, but you're still going to buy those convenience foods to just have a quick meal. Um, and that is not going to be as healthy either for sure. 
So yeah, Erin, I feel like in my family that I definitely see that. We moved last summer cross country and it was such a stressful time for us. And I felt myself reaching towards convenient foods so much. We moved to New York and here everybody eats pizza and bagels. And it felt like we just spent our first summer here just loading up on carbs pretty much. And nobody felt well. And it sort of was just compounding the fact that we were under a lot of stress and we weren't eating well, which made us not feel very well. Yes. And I definitely have seen that in my own family as well. Like I said, when I was writing my books, it was, it was a really stressful season. And the night, the day that I actually wrote the chapter on meal planning in my first book, I told my husband, I said, this is so ironic, but I have spent all day writing this chapter and now we need to order pizza. And (laughs) I think I even wrote that in my manuscript because I wanted my readers to, to know, you know, I want it to be authentic with them, but this just solidified even more for me, the importance of meal planning and meal planning during busy seasons as well. And so now, you know, there's different, when you look at your calendar, you can kind of pinpoint if you plan ahead, what are going to be those busy days that I'm going to maybe be running into the dinner hour and not have time to make a big meal. And so, for example, our family goes to our um, church small group every Thursday night. And so every Thursday, I put a meal in the crock pot that morning because I know the dinner hour is going to be really hectic on Thursdays. And in order for us not to succumb to more convenience food, which I'm not saying it never happens, but nine times out of 10, it doesn't happen anymore because I have that crock pot meal ready to go. So there's something about meal planning, and I don't know if you experienced this, Erin, but I just hate it. Like I dread it and, and I, and, but I know that it is so good for me and it's so good for my family and for my sanity. And, but when it comes time to doing it, I just never really feel like doing it. Do you experience that or have you just seen the wonderful perks and have moved past that stage? Mm-hmm. I absolutely do still experience that. You know, I, I try to do my meal plans on Sundays before the week begins. But there are so many days where I think, oh, I would just like to take a nap or just read a book. But really, once you get into that habit, once you get into the system and figure out the system that works best for you, your family, your personality, then it really doesn't take that long. And I mean, we're talking maybe 10 minutes after you get it down to a well-oiled machine. And that 10 minutes can really save you money and sanity for the week ahead. You know, I used to do it on Sundays. I used to do my meal planning on Sundays. And Sundays are really our day to just be home as a family and relaxing and taking it easy. And it became this thing I didn't want to do because I just really wanted to do nothing on Sundays. And I started to wonder, it's like, maybe I need to pick a different day. And maybe while Sunday seems like a natural day to do meal planning, it might not be the best day for everyone in every situation. So sometimes I find that I'm actually more productive if I do it on a Friday or on a Thursday when I'm sort of in my productivity mode, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's a really good tip. And I will tell you, if you don't plan for the whole week ahead, I mean, I'm telling more like your listeners, you probably already discovered this. Don't despair and think, okay, well, I haven't planned for the whole week, then, you know, I'm just going to have to scratch this week and wait until next week. You can actually plan in the morning, the day of, 
Now, this this sounds, uh, you know, counterproductive, but really, if you haven't planned that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever your day is, and you get to Monday morning, try to know by eight o'clock that morning, what are we having for dinner tonight? If you know that first thing in the morning, you will then have time to pull the meat out of the freezer so that you can eliminate the excuse of, oh, it's five o'clock and we don't have any meat that's thawed out. It's I don't know about you, Danae, but that's been my issue a lot. Oh, we absolutely. Have food, <laughs> we have food, but we don't have meat that is thawed because I put so much of our meat in the freezer. I buy a lot of it in bulk. And so if I'm having a super crazy week and I have not taken that time to plan, if nothing else, I am going to pull some chicken or ground beef or something out of the freezer that morning and I'm going to let it thaw so that when I get to the dinner hour, I don't have that huge excuse of we don't have anything thawed. Right. And I have run into that so many times. And I think that I need to be better about that. I need to be thinking about dinner during breakfast Mm -hmm. so that I have that plan in my mind. Because even when I do meal plan, I don't necessarily plan out what I'm going to eat on each particular day. I'll plan out the meals that we're going to have that week, but not necessarily dictating what we should eat on every on each specific day. Do you recommend doing that or how do you do it? So honestly, I really think it depends on your personality. There are some people that their personalities are naturally very structured and they thrive on having certain meals for certain days. There's other people, and this is my personality, who are more um, (laughs) loosey-goosey, who really feel more confined if they have certain meals on certain days. So what I do now is that I do actually assign a meal to a certain day, but I know I have the flexibility of, okay, if something happens during the week and, you know, maybe my husband will say, I really don't want soup today. You know, if he tells me that that morning, because I do have my meals um, listed where everybody could see them. I'll tell you about that in a second. If he says, I don't really want soup today, then I can quickly move around what meal I'm going to have based on another meal from that week, because I will have, I play my meals around what I have, um, the ingredients I already have on hand. So it's pretty easy to switch them around. But again, some people really thrive on that structure and don't want to change things around. So I'm a firm believer in and learning how to meal plan that fits your personality the best. So we all might meal plan a little bit differently. Right. And it, it's something that changes and morphs with time. And in your book, You Can Stay Home With Your Kids, it was interesting because you talked about how you, when you met your husband and when you got married, that you cooked more elaborate gourmet meals. And I found the same thing early in my marriage that I really tried to focus on cooking new recipes all the time. And I tried to be a lot more inventive. And after having kids, we tend to eat the same things more <laughs> repeatedly. And my cooking has just become much more simple. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And you know, if you are in a season of life where you can try more, you know, new recipes and cook gourmet, gourmet, then that's great. But I'm definitely not right now. And, um, you know, you said you're not either. I would try at least one new recipe a week. And I thought, okay, I'm married now. I'm a homemaker. This needs to be more elaborate. But when you bring kids into your home, it's just, it's, 
takes up a lot of time and it also is more expensive when you cook more gourmet meals. And so I learned that we can eat simply and save money and save sanity, at least during the season where we have a lot of little kids at home. I completely agree with that. And I like to have my kids in the kitchen cooking with me. And a lot of times that feels like cruel and unusual punishment because it makes <laughs> things so much harder. But it's something that's really important to me. I think that including them in the process is something that I feel is very valuable to me and to them. And that makes the need for simple meals all that much more because I have maybe five or 10 minutes of prep time where I can get their attention and sort of pull them in to do something um, when it relates to preparing the food. So yes, I feel like in this season of my life, I'm cooking very, very simple foods and I'm often not even using recipes. Do you find that you cook mostly from recipes or mostly just sort of on the fly? It really depends. Um, I do use recipes a lot. I go back to certain cookbooks again and again, but there's some meals that I've cooked so many times I've either memorized the recipe or there's some meals that I kind of just invent. So last night, for example, my husband's been on a mission trip all week in Honduras. He was coming back late last night. And so I knew that I wasn't going to have to cook something to really satisfy him because he wasn't going to be here for dinner. And so I literally just took the remains of a rotisserie chicken from the night before, a can of beans, some chicken broth, some leftover green beans, and um, half a jar of salsa and a couple of uh, cans of tomatoes. And I made a soup out of that. And my kids loved it. So that wasn't a recipe, but it was almost kind of like a veggie slash tortilla soup that my kids just devoured. And it took just minutes to put it together. And I just made it up. You know, I do that kind of thing all the time <laughs> and I'm totally okay with it. Now, I think that in the age of Pinterest that it feels like there's a lot of pressure to cook really elaborate, beautiful things, but <laughs> it doesn't have to be that way, right? It really doesn't have to. And something that really helps me is having a list of several quick meals that I can make at any time when the crazy happens. So, you know, let's say the baby didn't get his nap in or one of my kids gets sick and I just, you know, maybe I'm doing a podcast or something that goes over and I really need to get a meal ready super quickly. I have a list of things that I can just pull out of my freezer or my refrigerator and make without a lot of thought. And that would be things like breakfast for dinner or maybe a stir fry, which really I call stir fry any kind of meat and veggies over some quick rice. And it's things like that that I could just pull out at the last minute without having to buy a frozen pizza, without having to call Domino's to get them to, to bring me a pizza. And our whole family's gluten-free, so that really adds up when you're gluten-free ordering. Um, but we could still eat pretty healthy foods and, um, you know, not run up our budget or, um, you know, eat things that are going to uh, make us unhealthy. 
I completely agree with that. And I am also gluten-free and I cook 100% gluten-free at home, even though the other people in my family are not gluten-free. So I find that I also lean towards cooking a protein and veggies. And in your book, More Than Just Making It, you have some really good ideas for different types of meal planning. And when I was reading through those ideas for meal planning, I saw myself, a little bit of myself in a few different of a few different of those types. Now you talk about seasonal meal planning and really trying to focus on buying what's in season. Can you, is that something that you do? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Mm-hmm. I do. Um, I do somewhat. There are certain meals that I only cook at certain times of the year. And part of it, for example, you know, like soups, my husband is not a big soup fan if it's warm outside. So I mostly only cook soups during the winter, but also during the winter, you can get things like cabbage or you can get things like citrus fruits, like oranges for a more affordable price than you could get them in the summer. So if you are making recipes that include those types of produce that are winter produce, then it's going to be more affordable to cook those in uh, the wintertime. Now, if we're looking at, you know, salads with fresh veggies and certain, I mean, um, fresh strawberries or berries or other kind of fresh veggies like cucumbers, or if you're looking at different, you know, lettuces, those things are going to be in season in the summer and spring. And so it's going to be more affordable to buy those locally in season and add those different meals to your spring and summer meal plan. And seasonal meal planning to me sounds a little complicated because I don't off the top of my head know what's in season at any specific time. And I've looked into it before, you know, I've gone to Pinterest to try to pull up, you know, what's in season in February, what's in season in March and April. And I think personally, the way that I've really found the easiest solution is I go to the grocery store and I look for what's on sale (laughs) because Mm -hmm. usually what's in season is the most abundant and is it's what's on sale. Have you, do you think that that is sort of an easy way to go about this? Yes. So in my book and my chapter on meal planning, I give a lot of different ways to meal plan. And I think that, like I said, what works for one is not going to work for all. And you have to figure out what works best with your personality. But my personal favorite way to meal plan is what I like to call backwards meal planning. And that is where I will actually go to the store and, like you said, buy what is on sale. And then I make a plan based on that. So you could either check the ads first or just go to the store and do your shopping and then see what you have and create what you're going to eat that week. If somebody is really interested, though, in learning what's in season, I have a great link that you can include in the show notes. Um, called fieldtoplate.com. And it'll actually, it's a guide to what are the seasonal produce items. But I'm like you, Danae, I really like to just go to the grocery store and see what I'm going to be able to get the best deal on. Yeah. And so for produce, I think that that it, it tends to correlate, you know, what is abundant that season tends to be on sale. And that's what I gravitate towards. And I also tend to cook more soups in the winter, although I do cook a decent amount of soups and that sort of thing and stews all year round because I find that it's easy to put in my instant pot. Um, but you also talk about protein type meal planning. So picking out different proteins each day of the week. 
Yes, I really like this type of meal planning because I think it helps keep things fresh for your family. So I'm a chicken person. That's my favorite type of meat. And so once I switched from that gourmet season of my marriage into the more simple season, I did get in a rut of making chicken recipes all the time. And my husband finally said, you've got to cook something else besides chicken. He was really getting bored with it. And so I really like to do the protein type meal planning now, a combination of that with the backwards meal planning. And that's where you simply assign a different type of protein for every night of the week. So it keeps things fresh for your family. So you might cook chicken on Mondays, beef on Tuesday, pork on Wednesday, and so forth. You might have a vegetarian night where you use beans as your protein type. But this really helps so that your family doesn't get bored. Um, I like to just do it every single week so that we're not eating the same thing night in and night out. Right. And I think that all these types of meal planning, they have names and I'm going to include the names and the types in the show notes so everyone can follow along with what we're talking about. But I think for us, what it actually looks like when I cook this way is I go to the grocery store, I buy a bunch of fruits and a bunch of veggies and a bunch of proteins and I come home and then I match them up (laughs) in no particular way. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, most of the time I'm doing some veggies and a protein and I usually will drizzle olive oil, salt and pepper, salt and pepper all over it. Sometimes I put it in the instant pot. Sometimes I put it in the oven and I roast them. Sometimes I put it on the stovetop. So I find that cooking, having different ways to prepare it also brings variety. Do you have Mm -hmm. any favorite ways of preparing? I love skillet meals and crockpot meals, really. And I've used my Instapot a little bit, but I'm still not a super fan. My husband actually likes it more than I do. I, I just like the crockpot because I could, set, you know, put it all in there really early in the morning and then kind of forget about it. Um, although I know there's some raving Instapot fans out there. So I really gravitate towards those two type of meals, skillet and crockpot, as really easy meals for my family. And I do do baked dishes sometimes as well well. Um, but I'm like you, I get the food at the store and then I do my backwards meal plan. I try to do a different protein every night of the week and it just makes it really simple. Also, um, besides getting things on sale, there are certain things that I always like to have on hand, certain ingredients like canned tomatoes. Um, there's something else, a frozen, um, seasoning blend. I love the trim healthy mama eating plan and I love their cookbooks and they use this seasoning blend. It's actually called seasoning blend that you can get in most, um, frozen, uh, frozen sections of produce departments in Walmart or even Aldi. And it's onions, celery, and some peppers that are already pre-cut and frozen. And that you can add them to a lot of different recipes. I like to keep, um, like I said, chicken on hand so that I know I have a lot of ingredients that I just always have ready to go that I can make a little different recipes with. I think that's a great idea. I love that. And I will say that those raving Instant Pot fans are probably those of us who forget to take out the frozen meat in the morning (laughs) (laughs) because you can put frozen meat in the Instant Pot and it's ready in like 40 minutes and it feels like you just performed a miracle. And I think that that is, yeah, like if it's four o'clock in the afternoon and you're like, oh no, I don't have anything. You can literally put frozen chicken in the Instant Pot and pull it out, shred it, put it over a salad, put it over some veggies, whatever, make a stir fry. Um, So I think that that has been the real draw for me on the Instant Pot is that Mm -hmm. you can do things last minute. And sometimes I'll have a recipe for a crock pot meal and I'll have all the ingredients and then I totally forget to put it in the crock pot until three o'clock in the afternoon. 
And <laughs> then I have the life-saving instant pot that helps me with that. So for those of us that haven't quite nailed down the meal planning and haven't gotten into that rhythm, I think that it really has helped me, I know, in that way. Mm-hmm. So that it removes the whole excuse of not having the meat ready. Yes. I love that. <laughs> exactly. And something else I love is I have a Le Creuset uh, Dutch oven. Do you have one of those, Erin? I do not have one of those. So I here's why I love this. It's like double the laziness. So I love one pot meals and I love Martha Stewart has a cookbook. Martha, It's just Martha Stewart's one pot meals is the name of it. And it has a whole variety of one pot meals. You can do them in, in the oven on the stovetop, but there's quite a few that are in a Dutch oven. And I make pretty much everything in my Le Creuset Dutch oven because after I make the soup or the stew or whatever it is in the one pot, I can just put the whole pot in the fridge with the leftovers. So I, I love that. I don't even have to wash the pot. I just put it in the fridge and we eat the leftovers right out of the pot, which for some reason to me just feels like one less thing to wash and makes yes. my life all that much easier. I'm going to have to check into one of those and get one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because you can, I mean, you can put a pan in, in the fridge, but it has the handle sticking out and that sort of thing. So it doesn't quite work out as easily. But um, yeah, that's my, sort of my lazy secret that I use <laughs> all the time with my Dutch oven. <laughs> There is no shame in that. I tell you, as busy moms and homemakers, we, we've got to have those lazy secrets, you know, whether it be the Instapot or the Crock-Pot or the Dutch oven. We have to have those so we can be sane, you know, but be able to get those meals on the table in a timely manner. Right. And I think that I, one of the big things that I've struggled with with meal planning is that I feel like I failed a lot. Like I, sometimes I'll go really big and I'll meal plan for seven meals or for seven dinners. And then I'll only get around to cooking three or four of them and I won't have the energy to do all of them. And personally for me, I feel like I need to set the bar a little lower. So I have started only planning three or four meals in a week and just doing like double, like making like tripling or quadrupling each of the batches and just doing a lot of leftovers because I know that even if I plan seven meals in a week, I'm not going to be able to execute seven meals in a week, seven different Mm -hmm. meals. So I think that we have to sort of be realistic. And I think if we set the bar really high and then we fail, then we are more likely to give up. I think that's a really good point. And something else that my mentor has taught me is plan for a night of the week to go out. So if you know, okay, we go out every single Tuesday, then it will help you really stick to your meal plan at home more when you have that something to look forward to of, okay, I don't have to cook on Tuesday night or whatever. Right. And I think, yeah, that's so important. And sometimes I will cook sort of my like hodgepodge of ingredients and that tastes just fine to me and the kids. And maybe my husband isn't so crazy about those kind of (laughs) meals. Um, My husband is definitely a foodie and he loves trying new things. Um, But he has fully embraced the fact that, you know, right now we're in a season of life where we're not eating gourmet foodie meals at home. Mm -hmm. And someday I think we'll get back to that when our kids are older and, you know, they have after school activities and that sort of thing, I think that we will start cooking like that again. But I think being able to sort of shift and change our expectations with the seasons when it comes to eating will allow us to sort of really accept the fact that it doesn't have to be Pinterest perfect every meal, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. My meals are definitely not Pinterest perfect at all, but it works for my family. 
Right. And that's what's most important. It's something that's healthy and it's fresh food, fresh ingredients, and it's really exposing your kids to those things frequently, which my background, my PhD is in child development and my dissertation research was on how do you approach feeding young kids and looking at how picky eating behaviors develop. And a lot of that is serving the same food over and over again and not exposing our kids to enough variety. And I think that it's really easy to fall into that routine where you're serving, you know, hot dogs, mac and cheese and spaghetti on rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that by ha- by meal planning and by thinking ahead, we can really get a little bit of variety as far as different colored vegetables and different tastes of vegetables and fruits into our kids' routines more often too. So we're not reaching for that quick, easy comfort food, which sometimes tastes really good to us as parents too. Mm -hmm. There's so many foods that I honestly, Danae, had never even heard of until I grew up that I didn't eat as a child, like quinoa. And my family didn't eat avocados. We didn't eat peas. We didn't eat um, salmon when I was a child. And so these are all foods that I grew to love as an adult. And they're foods that my kids are eating from the time they begin eating real foods. And they they love quinoa and it's something that I'm really excited about because they'll take that to their families when they're older too. these foods that most little kids in America don't grow up eating. You are absolutely right on that. And I think that it, we tend to gravitate towards foods that we ate growing up. And I know when I go to the grocery store, I tend to gravitate towards the same type of foods, the things that I'm familiar with, the things I know how to cook. And something that actually helped me ex- to expose me to new uh, fruits and vegetables and flavors was doing a CSA. Have you ever tried a CSA, Community Supported Agriculture? We have. We have done that several summers, and it's been a really good experience being able to to expose ourselves even, you know, things my husband and I didn't grow up eating to new fruits and vegetables and then introduce those to our kids. You know, sometimes you have to Google, you know, what is this? <laughs> what do I do with this? Absolutely. But, but it can be really fun. Right. And so if anyone's not familiar with that, it's basically where you pay a certain amount for usually the summer and spring or the growing season, and you get a box of random vegetables or fruits or whatever's in season, and you just have to figure out what to do with it. And I, we had so much fun. We haven't started doing it since we moved, but when we did it, it was like, wow, you would pull these things. I'm like, what the heck is this? And yeah, (laughs) Googling, like trying to figure out what do I do with this? How do I cook this? And it really opened my mind because it's stuff that I would have never picked up at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a really good way to expose your kids to things. And I think if you're cooking in these ways that we talked about, this backwards meal planning where you just take the food that you have and you figure out what to do with it, um, I think that it's really possible to use new things because you can pretty much roast or steam any vegetable and add some seasonings and make them taste good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Erin, I've seen a lot of pre-made meal plans popping up online where someone sort of hands you a list of recipes to make. Now, I've never tried it. Have you tried it? And what has your experience been with that? 
I have not tried it myself. Um, I don't like to feel um, boxed in, I guess you would say, and I love my backwards meal planning method. But I have had many readers and many friends try this out with great results. And I think there is absolutely no shame in buying the pre-made meal plans if you are in a season of crazy or if it just fits your personality better. You know, there's certain things in life. For me, my kids attend a university model school. This does have a point. They go um, three days a week and then I homeschool them two days a week. I love it because the teachers plan the lesson plans for me. And when it comes to schooling my kids, I need that extra accountability and I just want someone to tell me what to do. For some people, that's how it is with the meal planning. They don't enjoy it at all and they would rather someone just hand them a list of here's your grocery shopping list and here are the meals, here are the recipes, and that keeps them from eating out every night or from just grabbing, you know, the frozen pizza. And so if that is what is going to help somebody put meals on their table without spending a fortune, then I think it is totally worth it. And they don't need to be embarrassed by that. Most of these uh, meal planning services cost 10 to $15 a month. And so some people say, well, why would I pay 10 or $15 a month? to have somebody else plan my meals. But if you think about it, if $15 or less a month of already planned meals will end up saving you $50 or more and takeout orders, then it's worth it. Right. And I, for me, just digging through the sea of recipes to find recipes is overwhelming. And that's why most of the time I just end up using the backward meal planning method as well, because it's just easier and I don't have to put that thought into finding the recipes and planning out the recipes. So it actually might be something that would work for our family. And I'm going to have to look into it more to see if I can give that a try, because it might help to diversify our food a little bit more. I think that if you are in a season where you just have decision fatigue. I don't know if you've ever heard that term, but I can get decision fatigue where, okay, I know I can make one of these 50 recipes in my repertoire. Where do I even start? You may just need someone to tell tell you what to do. Or maybe your family is so bored with what you're making. So maybe you want to subscribe to a meal planning service for six months just to add some new recipes to your recipe lineup. And you could take all of those meals that you learn from a meal planning service and then add them to what you're going to plan for yourself in the future. So I haven't really used it myself. Although I will, I will take that back. I did subscribe to build a menu for a while. That's one of them. And I did get a few recipes from there, but I found myself not really sticking to it because I love backwards meal planning so much. So I ended up not using it long term, but I did get several recipes that I, I use on a regular basis. Something else I do, Janae, when my family begins to get bored or I get bored of what I'm making day in and day out, I will crack open a new cookbook and I'll start cooking through the cookbook. So um, two that I already mentioned are the Trim Healthy Mama cookbooks. Now, I have followed that eating plan off and on for the past few years. Um, I took the whole year off last year when I had my new baby. But 
I love those cookbooks because they each have over 350 recipes in them. And I could literally make something new every night of the week and my family not get bored with it. And a lot of the meals that are in my regular rotation have come from those cookbooks. But what it took was me challenging myself to cook through those cookbooks and discover what my family liked, what my family didn't like. And I even make notes in cookbooks. I will make notes. This was a little too spicy. You know, don't add, um, you know, this seasoning next time. Or family didn't like this. Don't make it again. Or I'll, I'll add a little smiley face. Everyone loved this so that I know this is something that is going to really work for my family again and again. I love that. I also have written notes in cookbooks. And I actually recently got rid of my cookbooks because I just was using online recipes more. But what I did before I got rid of them is I went through and I picked out all my favorite recipes and I made copies, paper copies. And now I have them all in a binder with plastic sleeves. So I have a lot of copies of my favorite recipes from my favorite recipe books. And I do try to get more online because um, just having an abundance of cookbooks sort of, it just started to stress me me out trying to find recipes here and there. So I've gone to an online, uh, using online recipes almost exclusively, mm-hmm. except for that Martha Stewart cookbook. That's my only cookbook <laughs> that I kept when I got rid of all of them. But I had cooked my way through it, just like you said. I'll have to check out that Martha Stewart one, especially knowing that you're gluten-free too. And we've been gluten-free long enough that I can I can easily turn any recipe into a gluten-free recipe. My favorite cookbooks are the are the two Trim Healthy Mama ones and then Jessica Fisher. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She's from Good Cheap Eats. She has two cookbooks. They're both called Good Cheap Eats. Uh, one is, I think, Meals for $10 or Less, and the other one is Meals in 10 Minutes or Less. And those are two other cookbooks that I go back to again and again because they're simple and frugal but healthy. And so those are the main four that I use. But then I'm like you. If I'm going to be using recipes from online, I will, I've started printing them. If I make them more than two or three times, I know I'm going to be making them again. So I'll print them and then I have them in a binder in my kitchen. And that's just helpful to not have to feel like every time I'm going to make them, I have to go online. And I will tell you, there are certain recipes recipes that I have made over and over and not printed out. And then something happens and they disappear from the blog. There was one blogger who sold her blog and the new blogger um, deleted all the recipes. And so I finally tracked the original blogger down and I said, I've been making your chicken and quinoa for like seven years. I need your recipe, please. Because I I kind of knew it, but I I didn't have certain steps totally memorized. So I would encourage you to print them out like you said both of us do. Right. And now I have this binder that's kind of like the best of the best. It's the recipes that fit the best for our family and the ones that I'm familiar with and comfortable with making and tend to be things I gravitate towards. So that binder has been my go-to resource over the past couple of years since I've been doing that. I love that. So what about meal subscription boxes? Have you tried meal subscription boxes? What are your thoughts on on that? I have tried them just a little bit. I've tried um, Blue Apron. I think one time somebody gifted me HelloFresh. So I think that that is another thing. There's no shame in that. Um, They are going to be pricey. Sometimes they might be slightly less expensive than a restaurant. Um, So if you But they're still going to be a lot more expensive than cooking just 
from scratch on your own with ingredients that you purchase at the grocery store yourself. So I would say if you are in a place where you're struggling financially or you're really wanting to curb spending, this may not be the best for you. But if you are wanting to serve very healthy meals and you don't feel like your stress levels can really take the meal planning yourself right now or you just hate meal planning, that this could be something that um, can benefit your family. You may want to do it, you know, once or twice a week during busy seasons. Something that I really like about this is that they send pre-measured ingredients with easy to follow instructions and they send things that are a little bit out of the box. So it's not like they're going to send you everything to make spaghetti. <laughs> they're going to send you meals that you probably wouldn't have tried before. Um, sometimes they'll send ingredients that you would overlook at the grocery store. And so it's a good way to learn how to cook with different foods and be able to introduce your family yet again to different recipes. Um, I have really enjoyed it when I've tried it. But again, because we try um, to eat on a budget, I don't do it a whole lot. And I think that that is something that we always need to open our minds to the fact that maybe there are these seasons that we need extra support with something like this. Maybe you've just had a baby and you aren't able to execute the the grocery shopping and the meal planning like you usually do. So maybe you do do a meal subscription box for a couple of months. And I think that understanding that these sort of these things, the needs for these things might change as time goes on. And I've tried a few. I really like HelloFresh and I my favorite part of these is because I do cook with my kids and I love the how they photograph the steps of the meals so that my kids can follow along and see what they're doing in the pictures and then we can replicate it at home so I think that makes that that recipe making a lot more kid friendly so that's been one of the reasons that I really do like the meal subscription boxes. It is nice because you feel like it's it's teaching you how to cook with those instructions. Yes, and I definitely feel like I'm learning how to cook all the time. <laughs> Me too. Well, thank you so much, Erin. This has been so great. And Erin, you have a free e-course on eating well, right? Can you I tell do. us more about that? I do, and I would love it if anybody would like to go grab that. It's eatingwellonabudget.com. It is a free five-part e-course. So each um, email with the video comes every couple of days. So it's not five days because I don't want people to get overwhelmed, but it, you could take it all within the course of a you know like a week or so. And um, it's video lessons with worksheets and printables to help you learn how to curb spending and the area of eating but to still eat healthfully. So they could get that at eatingwellonabudget.com. Great. And I'll put that link in the show notes too. This has been amazing. And thank you so much for all of these resources. You can find the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 104. Thank you, Erin, for your time. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. Have an awesome day. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Erin gave us so many great tips and tricks and links, and I'm going to put as much information as possible in the show notes. You can go to simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 104 to find those. I also encourage you to check out Erin at thehumbledhomemaker.com, and you can find her books on Amazon, and I'll have the links to those in her show notes as well. I would love to hear from you about your favorite techniques and tricks for simplifying food in your family. You can join us at simplefamilies.com forward slash April to talk more about this this month. And if you have questions or comments, you can always leave those on the show notes. 
I appreciate you tuning in. And when you have a moment, please go to iTunes and leave a rating or review for the podcast. Your support is greatly appreciated. Have a good one.